thankful for the prayer Brother Joe offered and asked for a continuation of your prayer this morning and pray for those that are here, those that are not here. It's like I said, we, we're we living in uh, times that I called uncharted waters. Uh, they shouldn't be, you know. Some time ago, thousands of years ago, when Paul wrote to the his son in the ministry, Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 3, he said, This know also in the last days, peerless times shall come. We understand those last days were at that time that Paul wrote his letter, second letter to Timothy, and we know that they continue in the day in which you and I live. No doubt we're in the latter part of the last days, at least compared to the time of that epistle being written uh, I'm not a prophet, and I can't tell you. Uh, the Bible says no man knoweth the day or the hour that the Lord is coming back. But I feel certain just by the time that's passing away, we're one day closer. And hopefully uh, the, the day is not far off. Uh, that is my hope and prayer as we continue to look around. I understand that some people will say, well, you could, you've had bad times. Bad times are a part of life, but... In this country, things are, are changing, and there are great concerns. And this morning, if the Lord would bless, I'd like to talk about an enemy that each and every one of us have as children of God. It's an enemy that we literally cannot see with the naked eye. He goes by several names. He goes by the name of Satan. He goes by the name of the devil. He goes by the name of the serpent. That's where we first hear and see of him in the Garden of Eden where he beguiled or deceived Eve and then she gave unto Adam and we know that all of Adam's race fell into sin or we've all fallen short of the glory of God and it began with Adam and Eve but that old serpent Satan himself was there at the, that very point. Now, I, didn't, I don't know that God's people realize the great threat that Satan is to us. He's not a threat to our eternal life. He's just not. That's not the concern. But he's a threat to the day in which we live here in this life, that life which is now, not that life which is to come for the child of God. Jesus said in John 10, My sheep hear my voice and follow me. He said, My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. We're kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed at the last day, the last time. For those that were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the earth, those who've been called out of darkness into his marvelous light, their eternal home is not in doubt. There is no threat from Satan concerning that. But we all know the story of Job, and that story is gives us a lot of understanding of the power of Satan, if nothing else. Satan was not allowed to take Job's life. But any of us that have read the story of Job realize that Satan has the power and ability to wreak havoc in our lives. God allowed that. He removed the hedge for a while that was around Job, and, and a lot of bad things happened. Matter of fact, I would say that most of God's people that I know, probably most of us sitting here, might have a hard time living up to the standards that Job lived up to under the, under the difficulties that he was going through at that time. But Satan is real. 
You, you, you can't see him with your naked eye, but neither do we see, or at least I've never seen the Lord with my naked eye. But I know our God's in the heavens, and he hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. He is our Lord, he is our God, he is our Heavenly Father, and he is real. But Satan is also real too. In Revelation chapter 13, in verse 7, it says, It was given unto Satan to make war with the saints. He can wreak havoc upon your life and my life while we live here in time. And I believe if we look around in this nation, we see that Satan is having a very good day, if you would, in what's taking place. Satan is our arch enemy. He's someone we should always be aware of, someone we should always consider. When Jesus went into the Garden of Gethsemane in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 41, uh, he said to, to, he said to pray. He told him to pray, to watch and to pray. Watch in the Bible literally means to be on guard, to be, sometimes it says to be sober, and we'll read that verse here in a minute. Some people will always uh, associate being sober as not being drunk with wine, but you know, you, you, you don't have to be drunk with wine not to pay attention, and that's, that's the point it's trying to make here. Be sober, always be watching, on alert. Uh, because Satan is there. He, he's an enemy. Satan has not devised any new weaponry in the day in which you and I live. Because the weapons that Satan has have been so effective down through the ages, he doesn't need any new weapons in his arsenal. He deceives. He discourages. He brings about the fear you see in the land today. I have no doubt about that. Good, God-fearing people are literally scared to death. But it's unscriptural. People get mad at me for saying that, but it's the truth. Jesus said, peace I leave with you in John 14, 27. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. If you're at peace with Jesus Christ and you are having the uh, kind of, uh, you know, arrangement, not arrangement, I'm looking for the word, but if, if you're it with Jesus, in communion with Jesus, the way you should be, You'll be at peace even in the midst of the great turmoil that's taking place. And your heart won't be troubled. You know, it's like one elder said, and I know I don't take away any seriousness from what's going on, but for the child of God, he's got a no-lose situation here. Either God's going to bless you to continue on if you get sick with anything, or he's going to bless you to come home, which is far better. Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. When we all get that down, truly down in our hearts and souls and believe it, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain, then we ought not to have the fear that, we, that some people have in this life. But needless to say, it's real. So Satan is a real enemy. We see those out here in this world who, by their actions and by what they, they're doing, I, I believe they are members of Satan's army. Now, I said that Satan wasn't a threat. But we still are clothed in this old human flesh. And it's still problematic for us as we journey through this life. It really is. And sometimes uh, Satan uses one of his weapons. We let down our guard. We don't watch. He knows your weaknesses. He knows my weaknesses. And that's where he attacks us at. And he's done this down through the centuries. You know, that happened with Eve, did it not? He told her that... Uh, you know, that it was good. She, she, she knew it was good to look at. She, she thought it would be good to taste. And he convinced her it would be. And he told her that she would be a god like other gods. 
and he convinced her deception was his great tool there, and it's still a great tool. A lot of God's people are deceived today. We're told in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 6, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. I want you to keep the thought as we go forth of the mighty hand of God, of the strength of God. We're told over in Ephesians, we're going to go there in just a little bit. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I believe that is the very key to living day to day in this life is to be strong in the Lord and in God's might. So often we try to uh, be strong in and of ourselves or strong by the armies we can gather up, but our strength is in the Lord. You know, the Apostle Paul declared unto us in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he said, I can do all things through Christ which strengthen us. He didn't say I can do some things. He said I can do all things, but that strength to do those things comes through Jesus Christ. Jesus said again in John chapter 15, without me you can do nothing. We need to understand that our strength is in God. It's not in each other. It's not uh, in, in ourselves. Now, we, we draw together as a people and we gain a strength there, but that strength's still in the Lord. Our strength is in God Almighty. Finally, as he closed that uh, epistle to the brethren at Ephesus, he said, finally, brethren, won't you understand, he's not talking to the dead alien sinner. He's talking to brothers and sisters in Christ just as I believe I am today. Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We're looking at God's strength. That's what's going to carry us from day to day. That's what's going to get us through the uh, circumstances that we're living in today. And I don't know how these are going to turn out. God is sovereign. He declared the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, I will do all my pleasure. God knows the end from the beginning. He knows the end of the circumstances that we're going through today. He knows the end of your plight here in this life. He knows it all. He knows our thoughts are far off, as we're told in Psalms 139. That is our God who's in the heavens, the God that has done whatsoever he hath pleased. He's sovereign. His power is unmatchable. Matter of fact, all the powers that be, as we're told in 13th chapter of Roman and verse 1, are ordained by God. There is no power that's not subject in this world or universe that's not subject to God. We're all, they're all subject to God. That's the God that we draw our strength from. It says, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. God cares for us. Be sober and be vigilant. That means to watch and to stay awake. Is it possible for God's children to fall asleep? I believe it is. You know, what, what did Paul mean when he said over in Ephesians chapter 5, I believe it is, if I can quickly run over to that verse. He says, Wherefore, in verse 14, chapter 5, Wherefore he saith us, Awake thou that sleepeth, and arise from the dead. Isn't that amazing that God's people can fall asleep in such a manner in this life that there is one who is dead? They're not walking the core, uh, they're walking more toward the world or like the world than they are like the children of God. And Christ shall give thee light. We need to awaken. Watch and be vigilant. Stay awake. Be on guard. I mean, the Bible has much to say about the watchman. And it has much to say in Nehemiah about staying awake and being on watch. Nevertheless, no, excuse me, back to the Right verse, it says in verse 8, Be sober and vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, your enemy. I want you to understand whether you can see Satan or not, he's your enemy. He's your arch enemy in this life. He is an enemy to every child of God. 
He is trying to destroy your life. It's been, he's been given power to make war with the saints, and I'm telling you, he's making it today. He's making it individually. He's making it collectively. We see all the divorces going on. We see all the things that are going on with abortion. We see all the things in this world that are ungodly, that are uh, an abomination unto the Lord. They're an abomination unto the Lord. Be sober and be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. The, the devil himself, Satan himself, wants to devour us. That's what he is tempting to do today. We, we see today in the land in which we're living that we're seeing persecution of Christians, maybe not nearly as bad as it may get, but more so than we have seen in past times. Not so much here in Lubbock, Texas, as we may in other cities in this great nation, but it's happening. And to stand back and say it's not going to happen to us is to have your eyes closed, to be asleep. It's real. Satan's at work. Satan doesn't give up trying to devour you. He doesn't give up trying to deceive you, to discourage you, to bring you to a state of fear. You may give up, but he doesn't give up. He is a stronghold that you and I have very little power over. But we find our strength in the Lord. Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Friends, I'm here to tell you that the war that's taking place is not a war of a natural war that you and I could see with our own eyes, but it's a real war, and we'll get into that a little more. Be sober and be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, uh, seeking whom he may devour, whom resists steadfast in the faith. We need to resist him. We need to resist Satan. We're told to resist him, and he will flee from us in James chapter 4. But Satan is real. We may not see him. He's not a threat to our eternal life, but he's a threat to our life here and now, a threat to our families, a threat to our marriages, a threat to our children. Don't think for one minute that Satan is not real. Satan is going to destroy every Christian household that he can, every church that he can. That is the Satan and the, and the enemy that you and I are standing up against, one that you and I cannot overcome and one that you and I cannot defeat unless the Lord be with us. And we'll look at that as we go on. Turn back over to 2 Timothy chapter 2 and begin in verse 1. We said in verse 10, I believe it is, in the 6th chapter of Ephesians, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Verse 1 says, Thou therefore, my son, as Paul made his admonition to his son in the ministry, he said, Therefore, my son, be strong in the grace of which is in Christ Jesus. Again, there's that word strong. We're talking about being strong in the Lord in the might of His power, not our power, not our abilities, but in the power of Almighty God. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou unto faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Friends, that's, we're supposed to pass down these truths and these teachings and this strength that we find in the Lord from one generation to the next. As we die off, that that truth will remain in the land that it will be strong, that our brethren, our sisters, our children, our grandchildren will know that they need to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might, not theirs. But notice, thou, verse 3, Thou therefore endure hardness, or undergo hardships, as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Friends, I'm here to tell you that if there wasn't a war going on, He wouldn't have told us to be good soldiers, or a soldier of any kind. That word itself declares unto you and I as God's children there is a war going on. 
And that war is, is, is between good and evil. That war is between darkness and, and light. That's what that war is about. It's not a war between men in this land. We're told in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 4 that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. That tells me that this war that's taking place with Satan and the war of, of good and evil and darkness and light is one that you and I don't see with the naked eye, but it's taking place every day in our lives. You know, when Jesus was arrested and Peter pulled out his sword and he cut off that, uh, the ear of that man, Jesus touched the man's ear and he healed him and he says, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, I would have called my servants and they would have fought. Friends, the war that you and I are fighting today is not a war among men. It's a war against powers, higher powers, powers of darkness. He goes on and says, <clears throat> No man that warreth entangle himself with the affairs of this life. And what I think he's telling us there is to understand that the war is outside the realm of this natural life that you and I live and understand. Yes, there are people being affected by Satan, no doubt about it. And we can see by their very acts. But Satan himself, you and I do not see with the naked eye that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Friends, we wouldn't be called to be soldiers if there wasn't a real war taking place out there. If there wasn't something going on in our lives that we needed to address. Satan is real. He's problematic for each and every one of us. And sometimes he gets the better end of some of God's children. Did you know that? He does. It's unfortunate, but he does. You see, the warnings given to us in the Bible were not just something good for you and I to read. If you believe, as I believe, that the Word of God was written to God's children and are not written to make children of God, but written to those who are heaven-born and heaven-bound, you have that understanding. That He warns us time and time again about Satan and about the affairs of this world and how they will lead us astray. Notice in verse 24 of 2 Timothy, And the servant of the Lord, speaking of the, the minister, must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves if God peradventure will give them repentance. You know, God has to give you repentance if you're going to repent at all. To the acknowledging of the truth and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. You know, some people say, Satan could never take me captive. Well, I preached on unbelief here a couple of weeks ago and I'll tell you, Satan can take you captive. If you're not on guard, if you're not watching, you know, we, our strength is in the Lord. It's not in ourselves. Some people believe they're strong enough to withstand anything. But without Almighty God, our strength is weak. You know, I think about 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We know the verse in verse 9. When Jesus said, my, my grace is sufficient for thee, my strength is made perfect in weakness. What, what does that really mean? It's unfortunate for you and I that oftentimes we have to be brought down to a great state of weakness to find our strength in the Lord. Sometimes it's by tragedy. I even feel somewhat that way in this nation right now and what's going on and what may come about. You know, it's our weakness that draws us unto the Lord. Is that not what happened to Paul? Paul had a thorn in his side. You know, some people want to argue that that was a thorn in his flesh uh, it was some kind of sore. I, I don't know what it was, but I'm here to tell you that every one of us have a thorn in our flesh today. Whether it's what's happening in this world, what might be happening in your family, your children, somebody, somewhere, 
We all have that. But he said, my strength is made perfect in weakness. It's when we strongly call upon the Lord when things go awry in our life. I know that's been my experience, and I bet it's been your experience. Sometimes things just don't happen in our life, in our families, in our communities, in our churches that we like. And the, the weaker we become, the more we call upon God. We ought to be there all the time when Paul said, I do, can do all things through Christ which strengthen me. Friends, to think that you can stand up on your own without the Lord, you're thinking wrong. It is God who upholds us by the, by the might of his powerful hand. But we, just, we, we need to look at that and consider that. Paul said, and he prayed three times, that, uh, that the Lord would remove that thorn. You know, the Lord may not remove our problems, our troubles, whatever they might be. They may hinder you from day to day. But because we are weak and we call upon the Lord, he has promised to carry us through, to get us through those difficulties. I love that uh, sermon. I believe it's in Mark where uh, they all got into the ship and, and, and Jesus said, let us go to the other side. Jesus was in the ship. Yeah, he was asleep down there and they become very fearful. But Jesus said, let us go to the other side. Do you understand that only with Jesus Christ will you get to the other side? Not just to heaven, but to the other side of the pond here in, in this life. The troubles that may uh, come to you that you may be approached with. Jesus will get you to the other side. Not you by yourself. It's by his strength and his power and his ability. We can do all things through Christ which strengthen us. We need the strength of the Lord Jesus Christ. My brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. When we're weak. That's when we draw on the strength of our Lord. And there's nothing like it. The Lord can give you comfort. The Lord can lead you along in the most difficult day. We go back to Ephesians chapter 6. Let me get a couple verses out of that 2 Corinthians that I spoke of. I want to make us to understand. It says in verse 3 of chapter 10, For though we walk, Paul said, in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. I want you to understand that we're not warring after the flesh. This is not a war. We're going to go to a foreign land and battle and see the enemy with our eye. But it's as real a warfare as you will ever see. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Let's get an idea of what the strength of the Lord can do for us in 2 Kings chapter 6. We know that Elisha, the great prophet, had sent to word to the king of Israel to flee several times in, in this chapter. And the king of Syria wasn't uh, very happy with the man of God, as he's called in this book. He wasn't very happy with it because he was after the king of Israel. In verse 12 it says, And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet, that is, in Israel, taught uh, Telleth the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in thy bedchamber. These things were made manifest unto the king of Israel. And he said, Go and spy where he is, that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, saying, Behold, he is in Dothan. Therefore he sent thither horses and chariots and a great host, and they came by night and compassed the city about. So here this man of God and his servant was, and this entire city was surrounded by chariots and horses and a great enemy. And notice what this servant 
says here in just a moment. And when the servant, verse 15, and of the man of God was risen early and goeth forth, behold, a host compassed the city both with horses and chariots, and his servants said unto him, Alias, my master, how shall we do? I get the idea. They said, what in the world are we going to do? I, I, there's just no hope. There's, just, there's, there's really not. I mean, there's thousands of them. They got all these horses. They got all these chariots. And I'm putting put these in my own words, but I can just imagine. You got two men here, and, and they, they got no help. At least it appears to this servant they have no help. We're going to find out that the strength of, all, of Almighty God was what was involved here. And Elisha answered, and he said, and he answered, and he said, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Wonder what that young man thought. You got to be crazy. I don't see anybody but the enemy out here. And there's there's thousands of them. I mean, they're just out here, and and and, and what are we going to do? And how are we going to make it? I mean, this is a, a really dire situation that we're in. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see that he may see. And the Lord opened his eyes of the young opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Matter of fact, he had a lot more help out there than he realized. Do you know that you have a lot more help out here than you realize and that you can see? Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You know there are angels surrounding us, I believe, every day. They keep us they protect us. They watch over us. The Bible teaches that. And when they came down to him, Elisha prayed unto the Lord and said, Smite the people, I pray thee, with blindness. And he smote them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. What happened to this enemy? They came blind and they got led to a different place. But what I want out of those verses is the fact that you couldn't see the help that God had for these folks. That servant couldn't see it. You and I may not be able to see it, but it's there. It's real. It's, our faith tells us it's real, and we, we stand upon that, and we hold upon that great truth. Back over in Ephesians chapter 6, we're told that we're to stand in the strength of the Lord. Finally, in verse 10, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. When you think about God, and all the victories he gave the children of Israel? Just think for a minute about what took place when Joshua led the children of Israel around the city of Jericho. Wonder what they thought. What in the world are we doing marching around this city? God commanded us to march around the city each day and blow the horn so many times, and I'm kind of paraphrasing that. But I tell you, on the seventh day, what God promised came to pass, did it not? The walls of that city fell in and destroyed the city and they took, killed the ones that remained and, and took the spoil and the things uh, that God had commanded them to take. But the victory was of the Lord. God brought those walls down, not those men walking around and around the city. What about the battle of David and Goliath? You know, here's this young shepherd boy going against this horrendous giant. Nine foot six inches, I believe. His Armor and his sword weighed 150 pounds, more, more than a lot of men weigh fully clothed. He takes one smooth stone, he slings it, and he hits Goliath right between the eyes, and he falls over dead. When David came, he said, I come 
uh, in the name of the only true and living God, the armies of the only true and living God. David knew that it was God and God's strength that delivered the enemy. You know, we live in, in difficult times, dangerous times. Psalms 31 says, David said, My times are in thy hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and from them that persecute me. I'm going to change the word. Our times in thy hand, O Lord. Deliver us from the hand of the enemy and from them that persecute us. That's, the, that's what we ought to be talking about today. Our times are in the hands of the Lord. He is our strength. He is our hope. He's everything that we have. He's out there. He's everywhere present and he's nowhere absent. He's omnipotent. There is no power unlike the power of our God. Over and over do we see in the word of God that God delivered time and time again the children of Israel and other individuals from the hand of the enemy. The enemy we have is Satan. Whether it be individually or collectively as a church, a nation, a country, whatever. Our strength is in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not in ourselves. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. He didn't say put on some of God's armor. You know, I think we're guilty of that at times. We try to put on some of his armor, and we have a hard time standing against the wiles of the devil, the trickery, the deception, the discouragement. Have you ever been discouraged? Satan loves to discourage you. No matter how bad life is, you ought never be discouraged. Because like that song we said, our hope is built upon Jesus Christ, upon his blood and upon his righteousness. There's going to be a day that all things are made right. You know, I've been praying a lot that righteousness would prevail in the day in which we live, but I can promise you righteousness will prevail when the Lord returns. It will prevail. And angel, uh, uh, Satan and his angels will be bound in chains and cast into the lake of fire to burn and to suffer the eternal wrath of, of God forever and ever. There's coming a day that this is all going to be made right. But today we're dealing with our present life. As it says in 1 Timothy 4 and 8. Not that life which is to come. Because Satan has no power over your eternal life. He has nothing over that. But he's fighting against us hard and heavy today. He's trying to wreak havoc upon us. Upon our nation. Upon our churches. He's winning some battles. But if we're going to win the battle, it's going to be through God. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. That tells me that, that Satan and his angels today are strongholds. They're, they're stronger than you and I are. We can't bring those down in and of ourselves. It's going to take the power of Almighty God. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're mighty through God. We're going to look at some of those weapons. I believe the first weapon you and I have is the power of prayer. Are we sincere and serious about our prayer life, not just for us and our families, for our nation, for our churches? God is able to do above and beyond what we even think or ask. You know, some people say, well, this is the way it's all going to fall into place. What about the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man? That example was given to us of Elijah. When he prayed, it wouldn't rain, and God granted his prayer. And then he prayed again, and it would rain. That was one man and one man's prayer. Your prayer is, is important. It can be a powerful tool. You don't have to have everybody praying. We need everybody praying. We need to collectively pray as a church, collectively fast. 
But don't give up on your prayer life. It's a great weapon in your arsenal against Satan and his wicked works. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand, to be established, to not waver, not to be moved against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not with flesh and blood. There again. It brings to light to understand that the warfare that we got going on in this world and in this life is not one natural. It's in a kingdom that you and I cannot always see. We can't see the angels of the Lord when they're like they was in the day of Elisha. We can't see Satan with his naked eye. Now, there's some people I believe got Satan in them, and, and you may be, see that by their works. But sometimes God's children who are born of the Spirit of God are led astray by Satan and do some things that we don't agree with. Put on the whole armor of God, not just some of it. You know, if you're putting on an armor, it tells us that we're going to battle. In Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18, Jesus said unto Peter, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock, not Peter, upon this rock, the rock, the Lord Jesus Christ, he is the rock and his work is perfect. Upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. When Jesus taught about the gates of hell and Satan, he didn't tell us to be defensive and backing up all the time. That's an offensive position that we're to take. And he gives us the weapons to use here. Resist the devil in James chapter 4, and he will flee from you. It says, wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. And it says, stand, verse 14, therefore, uh, having uh, the loins girt about you with truth. Again, we talk about standing. We talk about the might of Almighty God. For we don't foot wrestle with flesh and blood. That's why we have to stand. We wrestle against principalities, against powers, against the uh, rulers of darkness, of the darkness of this world. Did you notice that? The rulers of the darkness of this world? There is darkness in this world that you and I live in. We're seeing some of it now. And there's rulers of that darkness against spiritual wickedness in high places. That's the war that's going on. That's the war that you and I need to be prepared for. That's the war that we need to put on the whole armor of God for continuously. Satan doesn't sit down and take a break. He just doesn't. He doesn't take time out for a rest. Sometimes we take a break. Sometimes we take a rest and Satan sees our weaknesses and he attacks us in that very area. And he causes God's children to go astray, to be led into places they ought not to be led into. Put on the whole armor of God, not all, just some of it. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. There's a rep, another weapon besides prayer is truth. Have the truth wrapped around you, inside of you, and outside of you. Have your life filled with the truth, your heart and your mind and your conscience with the truth of Almighty God. It's important, not just the truth about salvation by grace, but the, the moral truth that God set forth, the Ten Commandments, that that is right and righteous and holy and pure, all those things amount to truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the truth. He is our strength. He is our might. We need to put on the whole armor of God that we may stand against the wiles of the devil. And having on the breastplate of righteousness, you know, in a natural uh, battle, we would go out, at least in the olden days, they would go out with a breastplate on made out of metal. Hopefully that would keep them from getting stabbed with the sword. But here that breastplate is righteousness. 
do that that is righteous. That is a weapon that you and I can use against Satan. He wants you to do things that are unrighteous, things that would, would be against the teachings of God's word and his law, his promises, his commandments. That's what Satan's after. He'd destroy your very life if he had the ability to do so, but he doesn't, thank God. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with the truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. I tell you what, when you put shoes on a horse, you prepare that horse to take a journey, do you not? We're to put shoes on, and that those shoes are the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we may be prepared to go through our journey here in this life and to stand against the wiles of the devil. Many weapons, from the truth to righteousness to the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith. Be strong in the faith. Walk by faith and not by sight. You know, it's easy. I, I think sometimes we all fall in, into guilt here. We see what's happening around us. And our faith becomes a little bit weaker because it looks bad. It looks like the walls are closing in. It looks like the old country's falling to pieces. And it might it may be. But God still sits upon his throne in glory. He rules and reigns from heaven. There's none that can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? You know, he said, All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. Nothing. And he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And there are none that can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? He is the God of heaven that's in control. He is the God for whom we find our strength and get our might from to stand. We're to stand in his strength. Take the shield of faith whereby ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take in the helmet of salvation, that great promise that we have, knowing that this day shall pass and one day we will live in that place where righteousness avails and there will be nothing but righteousness. There will be no unrighteousness, no darkness that we, as we see in this world. And it says, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. We got a lot of weapons to fight against Satan with. But it's the word of God. It's the teachings of God. We need to be familiar with those teachings if we're to go into battle with Satan. He's familiar with our weaknesses. These things are weaknesses unto Satan. Did you know that? He doesn't like righteousness. He doesn't care anything about the truth. John chapter 8 tells us that he was a liar from the beginning and the father of lies. He doesn't care anything about the truth. So the truth is a weapon to use against Satan. He doesn't like righteousness, unrighteousness, and darkness is what he likes, wickedness and evil. Use righteousness against Satan. Stand up for righteousness' sake. Jesus leads us in path of righteousness, can't really say that word, for his sake, for his name's sake, not for ours. Satan's real. As I close this morning, I want you to realize that even though you can't see this enemy, he's out there and we need to have on the whole armor of God. We need to understand that our weapons are not carnal. And I'm not telling you not to protect yourself if someone comes into your house. You've got that God-given right. But the war that's going on out there is not going to be won with swords. It's not going to be won with bullets. It's going to be won through Almighty God. Through the bringing down of strongholds. That's who brings them down is Almighty God. One day he's going to bring them down permanently, forever. What a day that'll be. When my Jesus I shall see, and we look up on his face, the one that saved us by his grace, it's going to be a great day. 
And no longer will we have to deal with these troubles here in this life, nor Satan, nor the difficulties he brings. But until then, in the day in which you and I live, that day is right now. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We need his strength. Because I tell you, apart from the Lord, we're very weak. And it's, we need his strength even when we're not in a, what you call a personal tragic situation. I know in my lifetime, I probably found more strength in the Lord then than I had in other times. But as a nation, as churches, we need the strength of the Lord today. And we need the power of his might to fight our battles.